turn with me to the Gospel of John. John chapter 20, we're going to be kind of looking in chapters 20 and 21 at three individuals who were at Easter but missed Easter. If you don't have your Bibles, the words will be up on the screen. And I want to begin reading in John chapter 20, verse 11. And this is what the Word of God says. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. You see, in that moment, all that Mary wanted to do was to go and to see the body of Jesus. She was in despair. She had been crying and weeping because someone that she loved had been taken from her. And all she wanted was one more chance, one more glimpse to see his crucified body. And when she went that morning, all she found was an empty tomb. You can imagine that she probably felt somewhat cheated. It wasn't supposed to happen this way. There was supposed to be someone here. You see, Mary was overcome with despair. She was overcome with despair so much that she mistook Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, with a gardener. Her own pain couldn't let her see that it was Jesus himself. funny how despair can do that to us in life, that it can keep us from seeing hope. You see, there's a story that's told in Judaism, and this story is told that in AD 70, when the temple was destroyed by the Romans, that these rabbis, they went to go see and observe the temple mount that had been leveled to the ground by the Romans. And as they came up over this hill, these rabbis saw the temple and its destruction, and they all fell down and began to weep, except one. This rabbi, whenever he saw the temple, all of them began weeping except him, and he began to laugh at this. He saw that the temple, even though it had been destroyed, and foxes were running over the temple grounds where the Holy of Holies used to be, he was laughing. The other rabbis didn't take lightly to this, and they asked him, why are you laughing? And he asked them, why are you crying? He then went on to say, one prophet said, because of you, Zion will be plowed like a field. Another prophet will once again, men of women of ripe old age will sit in the streets of Jerusalem. Each of them will, with cane in hand because of their age, the city streets will be filled with boys and girls playing there. He went on to say that since the words of one prophet 
have been fulfilled, I now know that the words of the other prophets will also be fulfilled. Hope. You see, for us as Christians, the prophets prophesied of a coming Messiah who would be crucified and who would be resurrected. Jesus himself foretold that what he must do see, despair in this life is overcome by the empty tomb. That even though we may have despair and anguish and pain, it is an empty tomb. Hope that overcomes despair. And it was at that point when Jesus said to her, Mary, the good shepherd calls her, by her name, and his sheep know the voice of the good shepherd. And then she turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Then Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, You see, for a moment, Mary was at Easter, but had missed Easter. It wasn't until she realized that the empty tomb meant hope and not despair. And it means that we too no longer have to live lives of despair. Because there is hope in the empty tomb. Perhaps this day you've been living your life as if it were always winter and never Christmas, always winter and never spring? Are you living life without the hope of the empty tomb? As 1 Peter 1.3 says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Living with the hope of the empty tomb doesn't mean that we won't suffer. It doesn't mean that we won't have anguish or pain or that life will be easy. What it means is that we have hope for those that believe in Christ Jesus. That there is more to this life than what the world offers. There is hope because there is victory in Christ Jesus. But you see, it isn't just despair that can keep you from missing Easter. If you go a little bit further in John chapter 20, it says this in verse 24. Now Thomas, one of the twelve called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the marks of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. But eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with him, and although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. 
Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Wouldn't it be interesting to know why Thomas wasn't with the other disciples? Why he wasn't actually able to maybe go there to see the empty tomb? He's a little bit salty at this point, if you can imagine. Y'all didn't invite me to go with y'all, so I'm a little bit mad at you right now. Perhaps they didn't want Thomas to go with them. But whatever the case, and whatever kept Thomas from being there, he says, unless I. He makes a bold proclamation, unless I see the risen Lord myself, I will never believe. Now think about this. And the text says, eight days later, the Lord shows up behind locked doors. And that's also some of the mystery of the resurrection, that there's continuity and discontinuity with this life but that it is a physical, bodily resurrection. Yet Jesus can walk through doors that are locked. And there he stands in front of them and he says, peace be with you. Imagine this scene with me. Then all of a sudden, the next thing that we see from the Gospel of John is that he looks at Thomas. He looks at Thomas. And says, put your finger here. Touch my side. Can you imagine? The Lord knew what Thomas said eight days before that. And Thomas, in his doubt and unbelief, unless he saw the Lord himself, he would be unconvinced. I don't know what led Thomas to to a point of unbelief or to doubt. But perhaps you were missing Easter because of your unbelief and your doubt. Perhaps you're stuck with unbelief and doubt. You have intellectual doubts about faith. It doesn't make sense. This resurrection thing, we know that dead people are not supposed to rise again. These stories in the Bible, are they really all true or how am I supposed to understand this in light of, of science? You may have emotional doubts about the purpose of your life. You may have moral doubts about wanting to live a certain way, to live a life that is set apart for God. But whatever your doubts may be, whatever questions you are asking, the Lord hears Thomas, he hears you. He hears your doubts. He hears your unbelief. And just like he did with Thomas, he is standing there, bidding you to, to put your hand in his hands, to put your hand in his side. You see, for Thomas, his unbelief was overcome by the presence of Christ. It was then in verse 28 right there where Thomas says, my Lord and my God. One of the most powerful confessions of the New Testament. That he is Lord, that he is in complete control, that there is no other except him and that he is God, that he is fully man and fully divine. But Thomas doesn't just say, 
Lord God. He says, my Lord and my God. At that point, in this story, Thomas almost missed Easter. And it was Jesus who not only heard his unbelief, but it was his presence that moved him to abandon all unbelief and doubt and to believe and to make that confession, my Lord and my God. But then Jesus then goes on to say, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Perhaps today you are missing Easter because of your unbelief. You don't believe in Jesus. You have not said, my Lord or my God. You are perhaps overwhelmed today by your doubts. And you are missing Easter. But I can tell you this, that, that Christ is standing there offering himself to you your unbelief can be overcome by his presence. You see, it isn't just despair or unbelief that will keep you from missing Easter. If you'll turn with me a little bit further in John chapter 21, verse 15. It says this, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. Then he said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he had said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You see, Peter was at Easter, but he missed Easter. In fact, the first part of chapter 20 of John's gospel there's news of an empty tomb, and Peter and the disciple whom Jesus loved, is John is writing about himself at that point, and they race to the empty tomb. It's a beautiful story, even one where John points out that he actually was a little bit faster than Peter. Peter was a little bit slow, maybe clumsy. clumsy. He couldn't get there quick enough. But Peter walks into an empty tomb, and he walks back out. Jesus appeared to them on other occasions as well, but, but you see, Peter was at Easter, but he still missed Easter. He had seen an empty tomb. And he still didn't believe. Not yet. In John 21, in this story, we're told that Peter decided to go out to go fishing. It was his trade. That's what he did. Three years prior to that, he was a fisherman. That's what his life was to be committed to. But then Jesus called him. He said, come, follow me. You see, 
this point in Peter's life, he's gone back to fishing. He's gone back to doing the things that he knew best, the silly stuff. And when they see Jesus on the shore, he, he takes off. A hundred yards out, and, and Peter, he's so excited to get to the shore to see Jesus. And the others are bringing the boat in, and the text says there that they finished breakfast. That might have been an awkward breakfast, if you can imagine. You see, because Peter had denied Jesus three times, even though he said he wouldn't do it. Christ prophesied, predicted that, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. And he says, no, Lord, I'll never do that. I'll go with you to the very end. And when that rooster crows, Peter realized where he's going. You can imagine in Peter's life at that point, guilt, the shame, the regret. Peter knew he was going. The moment he heard that rooster crow, it all came flashing back to him. He knew he messed up big time. He thought he messed up so bad that he had to go back to fish. Here Jesus is asking, not once, but how many times, God, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Simon, son of John, do you love me? You know that I love you, Lord. There's a story in a book where daylight comes, and it tells a story of a little boy named Johnny. And Johnny had a sister named Sally, and they went to go visit their grandmother. And Johnny had been given a slingshot prior to going to visit his grandparents' house. And he was out in the woods practicing with his slingshot. And Johnny was a terrible shot. Couldn't hit water. He fell out of a boat. But as he was walking back to the house, there was a pet duck around the house. And Johnny decided to, to take aim at this duck and fire away. And when he did, he actually hit the duck and killed the duck. And as all little boys do, when they do something wrong, they don't know what to do. And so he went and picks that duck up and he tries to hide it behind the woodshed. And after thinking he was covered, he looks up to see that his sister Sally had been watching the whole thing. And so they go in to have lunch and his grandmother says, Sally, would you like to help me do dishes after lunch? And she says, no, I don't think so. I think Johnny wants to. And she leans over to him and she says, remember the duck? And little Johnny said, I'll help with the dishes. A day later, the grandfather says, we're going to go out to, to go fishing. And they're all excited and the grandmother says, no, Sally, I need you to stay back and help prepare dinner tonight. And she pops up and says, well, I think Johnny wants to help with dinner tonight. And she leans back over to her brother and says, remember the duck. And after a couple days of this going on, of not only doing his chores, but her chores, 
He can't take it anymore. And he confesses to his grandmother. And she tells him, I saw the whole thing from the kitchen window. I forgave you because I love you. I just wondered how long you would allow your sister to make you her slave. You see, Peter had become a slave to the guilt and sin in his life. To the point that led him back to the only trade that he knew or so that he thought. And the only way that guilt and shame is overcome in our life is by the love of Christ Jesus. You see, Peter was at Easter until he heard the final words from our text. When Jesus says, follow me. He'd been trapped by his guilt and shame. He'd been ensnared by sin. And upon hearing Jesus' words, follow me, that you are still worthy. No matter the guilt, no matter the shame in your life, you are still worthy because you are loved. It is so easy for all of us to be trapped by our own sin. You may be here thinking, you know, Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what's going on in my life. It's a disaster. How can anyone love me? But I'll tell you what God's word says. That God shows us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That it was God's love that he sent his son into the world. A world that knew him not. It was the love of Jesus and not the nails that kept him on the cross. And it was with that final breath when he says, it is finished, that no longer does sin keep us separated from God. You see, each and every one of us are sinners. That we are all sinners. That sin isn't just something that we do, but at our core that we are broken people. And that we are separated from God. And we will try to do anything in life to fill that hole in our hearts. But you see, there is only one. There is only one who can truly satisfy us. To give us hope in the midst of despair. Who can overcome our doubts and our unbelief by his presence. And the only way that our sin can be overcome is by his blood. Upon hearing those words, follow me, Peter was no longer at Easter. But he experienced it. Romans 8, 1 says, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus 
is if you believe in Jesus, if you confess him as Lord and Savior of your life, there is no condemnation. There is no guilt. There is no shame. You no longer have to be a slave to those things because Christ took them upon himself on the cross. And three days later, he was raised to life. you allowed the despair, the unbelief, or the guilt in your life from experiencing the hope and the presence and the love of Christ? You may be at Easter, but are you missing this hope? Jesus is Lord and Savior of your life, if you have seen the Lord, if you have said, my Lord and my God, if you have said, you know I love you and you are following him, then Easter is a way of life, of living with the hope of Christ, the presence of Christ, and the love of Christ. But if you're here today and you haven't seen the Lord, have and said, my Lord and my God. If you have and said, I love you and you are following him. And you may be at Easter, but you're missing this hope. And today I want to invite you so you no longer have to be at Easter, but that you can experience Easter. You can experience the hope and the presence and the love of Christ. Let us pray. Father, we come before you. God, I pray in this time that you know the hearts of every person in here today. God, however you are moving and leading, Father, I pray that if there are some here today who are missing Easter, I pray, Lord, that you bring them into your life, that you bring them into a relationship with you. God, while there may be despair in the world and there may be doubt in the world, and that there may be guilt in the world, that through you, we no longer have to live in light of those things. So God, I ask in this time that those who you are calling to yourself, Father, that you draw them into your heart and into a relationship with you. All because of what you've done for us. We pray these things in the name and the power of Jesus.